0: I'm Jodie Shield. I'm a success and leadership coach, a self-improvement author and presenter and wellness entrepreneur. And this is my new podcast series, She's Electric. I'm meeting the most incredibly powerful trailblazing female leaders, and you'll hear everything from career milestones to the worst problems they've faced in their road for success. My aim is to empower you so that you know for sure there's nothing that you can't overcome. In this episode, I'll be chatting to the angelic, nourishing and beautiful Rhiannon Lambert, or as known to her fans, Retrition. If you don't know her, Rhiannon is a nutritionist specialising in weight management, eating disorders and sports nutrition. She's the founder of Retrition, a leading Harley Street private clinic. She's a qualified PT, podcast host of Food for Thought and author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well. Registered with the Association for Nutrition, Rhiannon obtained a first class bachelor degree in nutrition and health and a master's degree in obesity, risks and prevention. She's also a master practitioner in eating disorders and obesity, having obtained a diploma approved by the British Psychological Society from the National Centre for Eating Disorders. Her qualified approach to nutrition and total dedication to her clients' needs has seen Rhiannon work with some of the world's most influential people with her next book, Top of Your Game, seeing her partner with world champion Ronnie O'Sullivan. So I hope you enjoy the next half an hour or so, and then if you do, subscribe rate and comment in the relevant section of your podcast app and also remember to check out the show notes and learn more about me and Rhiannon on my website JodyShield.co.uk. what I know is that this podcast will give you an inside peek at what it's really like to be a powerful woman in today's world so have a listen get inspired and be electric so tell me what exciting exciting things that you've got going on at the moment in personal and business if you don't mind sharing. Hey, no,
1: of course, of course. Um so business-wise, the Retrition clinic is going very well. I now have a dietitian and a nutritionist underneath me that work within the clinic, so we can see more people, which is just the dream. I never thought that would be possible. I'm currently working on my second book with Ronnie O'Sullivan, which is, he's a snooker player, and it's an incredible opportunity just to get, I think, to reach a new audience. Because for me, obviously, my platforms on social media at the moment, I love them so much, but they're definitely people that would follow me because they're interested in health. Whereas I'm working with someone that targets maybe perhaps a slightly older audience of um, men just as much as women, which is great. You know, I'm hoping that we can make a real change and get to people that need to hear nutritional information in an accessible way. And having someone like a snooker star like Ronnie that they all know um, talk about how nutrition's changed his life and he saw a professional, hopefully that can inspire lots of people. So I'm working on that. In personal life well I'm, I'm getting married but as are you Jodie <laughs> I've thrown that in there now for you but you're doing it in quite a short space of time whereas I have over a year and a bit to plan
0: <laughs> and do you find the time to plan with everything that you've got going on at the moment
1: in all Honesty, it's a little bit of a struggle. Um, I have my—I know who my bridesmaids are going to be, so that's a start. And I'm—I know where I'd like the wedding to be. It's now just putting all the cogs into place, isn't it? I think there's so much. um, Anyone listening that's planned a wedding, I have a huge amount of respect for them. It's another full-time job on top of managing your own business and everything else. I had no idea. There's so many little things that I just don't think I'd even have considered you know, needed thinking through. Someone asked me the other day, what flowers are you going to get? And I was like, oh, well, I'll just get whatever's local, you know, just thinking whatever's looks pretty and is in season at the time. I'm not that, you know, that way inclined. I'll go with the flow. So it's um, it's a whole new experience, but I'm really, really excited. Yeah, I think it's a special day. I and mean, we were talking before, weren't we, about um, how it's the one day in your life where you actually can get both sides of the family together and friends and have everybody well. hopefully everyone in one place and I think the energy from that and the love in one space I'm looking forward to experiencing something like that I've never had that before
0: amazing well I can't wait to see all of the pictures hopefully we'll get to see some pictures of that There's, there are so many facets to you and your personality and your character, and one thing I learned about you fairly recently was that you're also an amazingly talented singer as well. so would you mind telling us a little bit about your background, mm. what you've been up to recently, um, touch on the singing and then how you came to work in the world of nutrition and wellbeing.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I seem to miss out the singing thing a lot because I think, oh, nutrition, nutrition. But it's a big part of me and I love it. I absolutely love singing. It was the only thing when I was younger that gave me an ounce of confidence. I was very shy very, very shy. Um, I hid behind a boyfriend at school, didn't have the strongest family support network, so I I really used the singing to um, move out of my hometown. I, I won online competitions back then, and the singing led me into the nutrition, but not from a kind of positive way, more in the fact it kind of saved me, if I'm being honest. I discovered the music industry to be quite a dark place. Um, very heavily focused on aesthetics, how you looked, rather than the talent that you have. I didn't enjoy that aspect. I witnessed lots of destructive, disordered eating, things that have actually inspired me now in my practice, in the way I see people, and probably the way I can relate to them a little bit. Also, as a performer, you know, the nutrition you put in your body is going to directly impact the energy that you give out. And for your, being a singer, your vocal cords are actually a muscle. So people forget that, that you're working out a muscle when you sing just as much as if you're a footballer. It's a very strange thing to think about, but you have to look after that muscle, and food is a vital part of that. So I enrolled in a nutrition degree um, after going to a doctor's for help back in the day when I was singing, and he turned me away and just gave me pills, antidepressants, and said that would solve everything. And of course... It didn't do anything, and I took them because I trusted my doctor, whereas actually I just wasn't eating enough and not of the right things. I was living off diet products and enrolling in the degree because the only other thing I ever loved was food, which is always ironic when it's the one element of your life you can control or turn to or manipulate, but it was something I've always loved. And at the time, there were only about five unis in the country that did nutrition, and now what I do is cool the fact that you've come here to interview me on a podcast about nutrition, <laughs> I still giggle to myself because I genuinely still can't quite believe that people want to know what I've studied. So I did a three year degree and um, then I went on and did a master's and I'm doing more training constantly, further diplomas, master practitioners because it never ends. The interesting thing is science evolves so very quickly, that was my journey from um, singing to nutrition, but I do still sing. I have a girl group and we're classically trained, so they're called Sky Vocal. If anyone wants to check us out, S-K-Y-E Vocal. And yeah, we do weddings and corporate work occasionally, and I absolutely love it. It brings me such joy.
0: How beautiful, merging the worlds <laughs> of singing and Nutritional therapy. So would you call yourself a nutritional therapist or a nutritional practitioner and what's the difference?
1: This is such a good question. Okay, so I was very confused when I first did my nutrition degree. So my degree was called Nutrition and Health and it was a foundation, it's an evidence-based degree and it's accredited by a board called AFN which stands for Association for Nutrition so it's very heavy on the science. You know, I was on a course with doctors, medics, neuroscientists. They were the people I was sharing my modules with and it was a bit overwhelming. And at the time I thought, but what's the difference between nutritional therapists? Why, why, why am I not doing that? You know, and then I realized that actually nutritional therapy have a very different approach. So it's a bit more holistic. It's not as grounded in evidence depending on the course people may go on and you only get a diploma, you don't get a degree and I went down the degree route just purely for career and education based purposes but there's also dietitians out there which people get confused of. so dietitians work more with hospital environments, um, chronic illnesses, things that require a lot of almost mathematical intuition as well so a lot of measures which is important for people especially if you've got diabetes or cardiovascular disease, a heart condition perhaps that needs a lot of nutritional work, maybe enteral feeding, so that means feeding with a tube. Um, whereas nutritionists, what I do, I wanted to be, I quickly learnt at uni when I did some covering in a hospital that it wasn't for me. I'm much more of a upbeat kind of, and it's a bit draining being on the wards, so I chose to be a nutritionist doing public health and one-to-ones in clinic. Does that kind of explain it? It does, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's awesome. Um, it uh, more than explains it. So, um, so for those of you that have been hiding in a cupboard for the past few years uh, Rhiannon's obviously (laughs) really big on Instagram and we'll leave all of our handles and everything in the show notes below but just um talk to me a little bit about your experience as a responsible influencer practitioner on social media Mm. and how have you managed uh to how have you managed that relationship with your people and tell me about any insights that you've taken from it
1: It's been a huge learning curve. Um, It's actually been, I haven't ever spoken about this side of it before, so thank you for asking this question. It's a very, very interesting one. My association for nutrition have been very hard on me in the last year. Um, They knew I was speaking in the public a lot. They know things can be misconstrued in journal, newspapers, headlines are sensationalist, the words I would put in would be changed. That then puts the public at a risk because if they took something I said, which was even taken out of context to heart, it could cause some damage to them. So I went through some rigorous um, checks by my own counselling kind of governing body because we've got codes of ethics and things in the last year. And it's been the hardest thing, I lost sleep over it nights after night because the newspaper in particular I'm sure you can all guess which one it is um took things (laughs) out of context quite largely and now everything I write takes meticulous examination so how would that be misinterpreted by someone how could it be misconstrued and I have to be very careful even with the language I use so I can't say something is a good source of vitamin A I just have to say it's a source because if it doesn't meet the EU legislation of a certain number, being too high or too low, I can't make a claim. Now, this has, of course, you can imagine how draining this can be um, on social media. And frustrating because, obviously, I see a lot of people trying to do good, but it can actually cause harm without them knowing. So, But they haven't undergone the rigorous scrutiny that I have. I mean, I've had my website examined, torn to pieces, my blogs, my social media everything and quite rightly so now I see but at the time it was very upsetting but now even writing my myth busting Mondays which I do every Monday in my Instagram feed I just spend so much time making sure that everything I give is balanced it's fair there's for and against everything's researched got the right journal articles the right type of study it's for and against and having brand work more recently is another hurdle that's been interesting but they've all respected how I operate so it's really interesting if you stand your ground and you say well actually I think the public deserve to have an you know an opinion and they deserve to know there's other options out there so I will represent your brand but I won't be exclusive to it because there are so many others out there that deserve you know that could do someone some help especially when it comes to nutrition so it's been a it's been a long journey Jodie <laughs>
0: how much effort energy and time do you spend on an average instagram post
1: gosh again something i've never spoken about it's all coming out in this podcast um i will spend an hour roughly drafting a myth busting monday in particular other posts maybe up to half an hour but i spend a lot of thought and care on it and i don't think people maybe realize that's how much time
0: they do now
1: (laughs) they do now
0: (laughs) so know that when you're going over to retrition which is your instagram handle on instagram you are getting the best quality and i can say that because there's no one assessing me the best (laughs) quality content and information there this lovely lady spends an hour on an average post so you know that that's been thoroughly researched and cross-checked and you know that the sources of information that she's sharing are so valid my pleasure. I want to talk to you about fats.
1: Okay. All right. I wasn't expecting that one. Go Me for either, it. But go I'm just going to go for it. Okay. So, and I'm sure
0: that this is going to help a lot of people actually, because I'm sure it's a very common thing that we have been generally, um, people that like to take care of themselves and eat mm. well have come up against. So, recently, I, I train with a personal trainer once a week, and we did my body fat. Um, analysis, analysis yeah. that's it yeah that's that's it body fat analysis <laughs> and my I can't remember exactly what percentage it was but it was quite a lot over the what you would normally say on um, the visceral
1: fat or just general It's like body fat
0: percentage adipus. so imagine if I'm just plucking figures out of thin air okay. which I know you don't like <laughs> so I'm right. going to do it anyway <laughs> imagine if a woman's average was meant to be 20 yeah, mine yeah. was like 28 okay. but I'm not that bothered really you know I've, I've been healthy yeah I'm healthy What was particularly interesting though, when we started analyzing my diet and breaking it all down, was that I was overeating on good fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm raising this because I know that it's gonna be a common problem for a lot of people out there. So, because we are, you know, we are told, by amazing people who are friends of ours right Mm. some of the people that are out there on Instagram sharing amazing recipes using things like a lot of avocado a lot of avocado Mm. good friends of ours and I'm sure that they are you know they're sharing from a good place but what you end up doing is that thinking that you know you've kind of labeled that specific fat healthy before you've realized that you know, overeating on that specific yeah. fat is going to actually, you know, maybe um, even build up internal fat, which is not yeah. a good
1: thing. No. and can you talk is, about that? Yeah, first? 100%, Jodie, because it, it is a problem that everything in moderation, we label foods as good or bad, and healthy fats, especially, I call this the problem of the worried well, but something where we are all very in tune to making sure we optimize our health, and quite rightly so, you know, we're very grateful to be in a position where we can do that, but the problem is, an avocado has been labelled as a, let's say, the word superfood. So people think that if they overdose on one particular item, it will give them miraculous health benefits. That could be one flip side to the coin. The second thing is, hormones and fat work together. So for females in particular, body fat percentages are a bit hit and miss. You know, that, that may not have been 100% accurate. Water retention can affect a body fat measurement, it may not be 100%. But hormones are made up essentially from fats and they're transporting it. So depending, your body fat percentage will dictate whether you get periods or how healthy your estrogen levels are, all that kind of stuff. So also your cognition and your brain function. So fats are important. A portion, however, is half an avocado a day. Um, I wouldn't even say a day, maybe every other day if you want. It depends on the composition of the overall diet. Salmon, two portions of oily fish a week. Some people have salmon daily. Um, Because it tastes amazing, and I could very easily have mackerel or salmon daily. And then we're talking about nuts and seeds. I mean, up to 30 grams, maybe occasionally a portion of nuts, but if you're looking at recipes, you could be getting triple that in one slice of a healthy vegan cheesecake. So if you're looking at this kind of healthy fat thing, we've definitely lost touch of going back to basics, which is what I talk about in my book, Renourish, all the time, which is. You need a pinch of healthy fat at each meal, but you don't need, the composition should still be vegetables, protein, a bit of carbohydrate, which seems to have been forgotten about now because fat has replaced carbs for some people. In fact, Ronnie, I'm going to bring Ronnie up as a perfect example. When I met Ronnie O'Sullivan, he was doing a high fat, low carb, high protein diet and putting on weight. The minute he put carbs back in the equation and ate normal balanced meals of every food group, he lost two stone very quickly not from even trying. He just ate carbohydrates again. So our bodies are unique. For you, Jodie, perhaps having a high fat percentage wouldn't work for you, but there are some people out there that that might work for them because we are all genetically, biochemically, completely individual. I hope that helps.
0: (laughs) That is so good to know. And I think that's always attracted me about your approach is that you very much are an advocate of you know of this everybody's unique mm. and you must you know tune in or do what is right for you honor appetite. your body completely mm.
1: because the minute we follow anyone preaching a one-size-fits-all approach is quite dangerous because how can that I mean we're all special and that's something I learned from you is that we have a special energy we all radiate different things anyway if you look at that why wouldn't we treat the food we eat in the same way okay, if I've been extremely active today, why would I just not eat a carbohydrate? Because a wellness book says that carbs cause leaky gut or something, which just is not scientifically correct. And that carb could really help you sleep tonight and nourish your cells. (laughs) I'm going a bit science-y, but... (laughs) It does. Carbs create happy hormones. They help you sleep. It creates melatonin with the help of serotonin. There's always different complex reactions in the body that we ignore because we try to follow an aesthetic ideal. I'm going off on one, Jodie. I'm sorry.
0: It's good. You can go <laughs> off on one here. It's all welcome. No, it's absolutely fascinating and so interesting. And I agree with everything that you're saying. So absolutely. Bye. Uh, Talk to me about, you know, this year. This, this year's been a big, big, big year for you. Gosh. Big year. Best-selling yeah. author, Thank big year. You. Yeah. Talk to me about the highs and the lows and what you've learned. Oh,
1: gosh. I have learned so much this year. So the highs would be I now have a business that I didn't intend to even have <laughs> which I know we were discussing as well. It's quite empowering being a female in an industry where females are supporting each other, which is lovely. Um, really, really lovely, actually, because there was a time where we know that wasn't the case. But being able to create a business out of what I love to do for a living is incredible. Um, I've had to expand pretty quickly. I've hired now two members of staff in this, below the space of a year, which is something, again, I hadn't prepared for. It just happened. You know, I couldn't... I couldn't keep up. In fact, my biggest learning curve was the month of May this year. I worked every day without a day off, and that was a big mistake. Um, I did it thinking I have to promote the book. I have to keep my clinic going. Why would I shut my clinic just to help promote my book? That seems very selfish of me. I should be seeing my clients, but actually I couldn't give my clinic the attention it deserved. So learning predominantly to take a bit more time out, um, Sophie deserves a mention, my gorgeous Sophie who I hired this year, because she puts, I'm going to start keeping to them, I haven't been, but in my diary she puts chill day Rhiannon. She picks a day every now and again. So far I keep booking things in, but I am going to stick to it this August. I'm definitely going to stick to it. And I feel less guilty for doing something like um, getting my nails done, which actually you would not know if you looked at my nails right now. (laughs) You really wouldn't know that. I need to go get my nails done. Um, But yeah, I've definitely learned to balance having a bit of me time. But the biggest thing has just been the book. I'm just so happy that the reaction to it was, you know, I put a year into that. You know how hard it is writing a book. Your book's extremely successful and you know that you pour a heart and soul into writing something. The fact it's helping people... And the fact that I can Instagram message someone and say, actually, that's a chapter in my book. It would really benefit you. And it genuinely will help someone is just an incredible feeling. So to sum it all up, um, I think it's just having a bit of me time and prioritising my boyfriend, the people that love you a little bit more. Because that month in May, I was a mess. I don't know how I did it. When I look back, it's not healthy to work a whole month without a day off. I was struggling. So if I can share any bit of advice of anyone, no matter how um, the opportunity, you don't want regrets, because my biggest fear is regrets and saying no. So I say yes to everything. Sometimes actually saying no would just help you be more productive.
0: So I'm going to set you a little challenge. Go for and it. And I'm going to set everyone else listening <laughs> a little challenge as well. Okay. So whenever this podcast is out, mm-hmm. I want uh, you guys to pick the month that the podcast comes out in i'm gonna ask rihanna to pick the month of august mm-hmm. and i'm gonna challenge you to as of the first week in august book one day how often could we could you book one day off a week over two weeks
1: that's it's so interesting you say that because even the weekend just gone i worked obviously and, Things, yeah, you know, it doesn't seem like work when you enjoy what you do and that's where the line comes in because I was in a kitchen all day, Sunday yesterday, guys, we're recording this on a Monday and I cooked five recipes back to back in a kitchen being filmed for the whole day and obviously it's very hot at the moment and I got home and I fell asleep at like six o'clock on the sofa, then got up and had a walk and was like, this isn't right. So yeah, booking a day. Advan- yeah it's a good idea I would I will adhere to that challenge Jodie I will do this <laughs> so if you're listening now and hold wh- me to <laughs> it
0: whatever month you're listening in <laughs> I challenge you guys to book at least one day one full day off a month, every three weeks, every two weeks. I mean, I'm doing one full day off a week from August, and that's well why I'm challenging you. Okay, my yeah, love. I'm going to do it with you. So I really, you know, it's we we talked a lot before this podcast about the importance of self care and and how we need to invest into ourselves mm. to recharge to then go back out into the world
1: and sleep. So I've been doing so much research on sleep recently, and it impacts our appetite our ability to focus everything, the repair that we go through. Yeah, it's hugely important that we prioritize that and we stop neglecting it and thinking we have to work through it.
0: Any good books that you would like to recommend us on sleep?
1: Yes, um, Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep, is the best book I've honestly read. It's changed the way I write my client notes, actually, because I now make sure that I set little goals for all of my clients in clinic that they aim for at least eight hours of sleep. A lot of people average in the UK around five to six. That is shockingly bad. And I know we've probably both been there, Jodie. But right now, we, I actually do get eight. You now. I'm proud to say I get eight hours. <laughs> but it's hard.
0: The interesting thing is that those that are getting five to six hours are usually very high-performing people. Yeah. yeah. And you think, how are they sustaining these very high-performing mm. careers on five to six hours of it sleep? It
1: shortens their lifespan. If That's a drastic thing to say. It is scientifically proven. Less sleep will cause you a less long, fulfilling life. I absolutely believe that, 100%. Yeah.
0: Talk to me about your morning routine. Like, Do you have a routine or a practice or something that you do in the morning, every morning?
1: I wish I could say I was one of those people that got up and meditated and started my day right. But... um, I don't do that, but I do have a nice routine where I wake up, I always have a glass of water or a cup of green tea or something. Um, some days I may go for a walk if it's sunny or do a little F45 with a friend if there's time. I've been doing that recently and i felt so m- I just felt so much better getting moving and getting my blood flow going and I tuck into an amazing breakfast. In fact, I've never skipped breakfast intentionally in my life ever even if I wake up late on a Sunday I just go for brunch so that really fuels me for the rest of the day because I'm not ever starving before lunch I feel really good I've been able to concentrate and that's my little morning routine oh I do play a bit of classical music yes here we go <laughs> here we go that's made me think I love putting on things like um, a little bit of Beethoven in the background. Um, Oh, a bit of Debussy, Claire de Lune, kind of classic pieces that you you guys will know from adverts on TV as well that are out there. And honestly, if you start your morning with music, some people might like pumping tunes that are in the charts. But for me, I need a bit of I need a bit of a chilled start to my morning. <laughs> Love this.
0: Mm, okay. So we've talked a little bit about this year and it's been quite tough and, and it's been great in so many ways. Um, what's what's kind of been the biggest low point so far in your career, in your nutritional career? What's been like the biggest low point so far and, and how did you move through that and learn from it? What did you take
1: from it? Gosh, um, the biggest low in the career so far I'm very lucky that there aren't many lows, they're very what I would call first world problems to have in the sense that they're financially difficult times where I don't take a salary from my business, um, but it's growing, so I think that's interesting to address. I think the biggest knockback was probably not getting or comparing too much to other people at the beginning. So when the book was coming out, I my self-esteem was so low, I didn't think it was going to sell. And I put this immense pressure on myself. Suddenly, instead of feeling, feeling grateful for a short period of time, but actually I had something that I put my heart and soul into, I kind of punished myself thinking, why would anyone want to read anything I've done? Why? You know, I don't understand. It was a real confusing time for me of sales approach with this book deal I hadn't ever thought again that was something I was going to do and I don't think i would mentally prepared myself for the amazing immense pressure when you're putting something out to the world to be scrutinized Um, and dealing with that came over a period of time actually I managed to get through it after a month or two it took a long time for that anxiety to subside I would wake up in the morning and feel constant anxiety for a few days and that just subsided with speaking to friends and realising that I need to take my own advice and actually tune back into why I'm doing it in the first place and just feel grateful. But that was quite a big low moment, actually, and it should have been a very high moment. <laughs> mm. It's interesting how it, um, it flips.
0: Thank you for being so honest there, for sure. And I think... Bizarrely, sometimes when we have a sense that something's going to be really a, a great success, it creates resistance because we're a little afraid of the exposure mm. and yep. the light I was and was visibility.
1: Yeah, absolutely terrified. I'd always just been the health professional that would sit behind a desk and suddenly I... Even when I was singing, I would be a character or I was singing in a girl group. My identity was not really part of the process. But when you have a book, you share your bio at the beginning. That was, you know, I've never, I didn't, now I'm comfortable about talking. Uh, I left home at 16, you know, my family was not the most supportive at the time. I love them to pieces now, but we've had hard times. And I didn't, that wasn't something I realised people would be so interested in. And that, that's a big learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a massive one. I absolutely relate on many levels. Mm. <laughs> oh so. mm. this is so if you could go back, what would you say to little you? So you could pick little teenage you or you could pick little ten year old you. Okay. If you picture little you standing somewhere and at, a, 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 I guess, a turning point, and you picture her, what would you want to go back and say
1: to her? Picturing little me, the minute you said that, is so interesting because I don't picture happiness. As a child, I wasn't a very happy child. And I picture myself with low self-esteem, you know, not in a good place, not feeling like I fit in at school, nothing like that. And I would literally say that all the hard work, you put in always does reap the rewards because I used to believe that if I studied hard or you know I sang and I interco- you know I just put my faith in the talents that it you know I didn't dream I'd be where I am right now and I think if you just if I have to go back basically to stop this long-winded answer I would just tell myself that hard work you put in will always be rewarded and you can change your own destiny If that sounds... I mean, I never thought my little town in Wiltshire, I'd never dreamt I'd be living in London where I am right now. (laughs) Self-sufficient. Amen. And having time off. Yes, one day a week. One day a week.
0: (laughs) What excites you about being a woman right now?
1: Oh, endless things. Honestly, we are so blessed right now. We can make changes we can have a voice, we have authority, we can influence brands and people to a whole new level that I didn't think was possible when I was younger. I used to believe the man would come home from work and I would just get married and, well that's okay if people want to do that equally, that's totally okay, but the the fact now is that we have a choice I think now is an incredible time to be a woman. We have a choice in everything in the UK, which is why we're very lucky here in this country and I think we should embrace our rights, perhaps more than we do. I made a point of voting this year and, and doing things that I never actually used to pay much attention to if I'm being honest. But yeah, it's probably a bit too deep right now, but that's, I think it's incredible that we can do that.
0: Amazing. And me too, absolutely. So many amazing, amazing things happening. And what's really interesting for me is that, you know, in terms of the space that, y- you know, you're really in, mm. the influencer space on social media, influencing lots of people and working with brands and working with other people in that way, is that we're very, as females, are very much leading the charge yeah. in that yeah. in that industry.
1: I agree. The only thing I want to see a bit more of is diversity of colour. I think that's hugely important. And I was actually looking at some health and fitness magazines the other day and I was thinking this could be a little bit more representative. So I think we've still got a bit of a way to go on that front, but that's a whole different issue. The fact that women can have a magazine with women in the title and have our own say and our own voice is just blooming incredible. And my field was dominated by men. I mean, you think doctor, you think man. You used to think health professional, it would be a man that you'll go and see sitting in Harley Street behind a desk. When I was a kid, that's that's what it would be. And now the fact that I'm in that position is kind of kind of cool.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> Very cool. What is the best piece of advice that you've been given? And you've got obviously so much advice going on. You've mentioned so many things to us on the on the um, during this session. Mm. Uh, but what's been the best piece of advice that you've been given, and how has it helped you?
1: This goes back to um, my grandfather died when I was a baby, but he told this to my dad. and My dad told it to me, so I've always had it. Treat others how you would like to be treated. And I live life by greeting people in a manner that I would like to be greeted by. That's held me strong my entire life. Still stands. I think it's such a good one. That would be my advice. It's lovely (laughs) and
0: I would absolutely agree, you know you do treat people just in the most amazing way and you're always so warm and lovely, for sure. (laughs) So who would be your electric woman, so electric woman would be someone that radiates that insatiable energy that just beams out into the world that is very driven and that you inspire to be more like who or there might be a few different people but who kind of comes into your mind?
1: There are so many. This is when it's so difficult to pick just one female role model because, you know, it could be a friend's mum that I do know actually that I just find wow, how on earth have you got through everything life has thrown at you? You know, and but then on another side, it could be someone that you all know, like a famous figure that I think is quite inspiring in what they've done. I do actually have a friend that I think is very true to herself, shown a virtue, and I think she is just incredible so a little shout out to Shona because she takes life and she's just so cool and independent you know she does what she, she's got her own style about her and i find that really inspirational and then i'm going to Nobel prize winners i'm thinking in my head that i'm like wow they're so cool how did she do that how did she create that project so They're the types of people that I look to um, often give me an inspiring intellect kind of angle where I'm like, wow, you're so incredible. How did you do that? And then a life experience angle. I do respect older people a lot. And whenever I'm chatting to some, even some clients inspire me daily. I had a 75-year-old guy last week who was a doctor actually from Africa. And his story was incredible. And he kind of sat me down at the end and he gave me a bit of wisdom back. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect that today. So we should really respect our elders and the experiences I think that they've been through. I know that's not an electric woman, that was an electric guy, but I'm, <laughs> I threw that one in there. <laughs> Perfect. If you
0: wanted to leave us with one thing as we close to an end, very sadly. Mm what would it be?
1: Everybody has a story, don't compare your journey to someone else's, just enjoy the fact that you're on a journey and different decisions can be made, that is honestly the thing that gets me through nearly every day, that it's just part of a journey, it's like a wave isn't it, you get up top of the wave, down of the wave, it just goes up again, so
0: yeah. That's amazing. It's a bit like the human journey of emotions and <laughs> cool. roller coasters yeah. that we're on all the time and how do we ride those and how do we process them and transform. And Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time, lovely Absolute lady. Pleasure. It's been beautiful <laughs> to just uh, soak in this the surroundings of this lovely place. So Aww. thank you so much. So that was the lovely Rhiannon. I was absolutely glowing when I left her. She's so open and she just beams with light and love. She's on such a beautiful mission, a mission with purpose. And, you know, she's so passionate about what she does. She really does deserve all the success she gets. And I want to thank her for being so generous as always, especially in terms of letting us go behind the scenes of what it's like to run her business and also what it's like to be a qualified nutritionist as well. Hope you enjoyed this episode of She's Electric. Remember to share it with your friends, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. I'll be back next time with another electric woman.